Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barker. Greetings, I hope you're having a terrific day, whatever the day happens to be. Well, last Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday, the end of football season, the long national nightmare begins of no football. And I really didn't have a rooting interest in the game. I don't know if you did or not. But I found myself kind of feeling uh, an affinity for Andy Reid, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. You see, Andy Reid has been coaching in the NFL for 21 years. So he spent 14 years in Philadelphia, had some good teams, but never won the Super Bowl. And you see, winning the Super Bowl is the benchmark. That's the, that's the goal. That's the reason that these men coach these teams. And so... He never was able to win the Super Bowl. His career started a downward slide, and he moved from the Philadelphia Eagles over to the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been in Kansas City for seven years now, and again, had some really good teams, never won the big game until last Sunday. After 21 years of trying, all those years of persevering, he finally persisted to the point that he could win the Super Bowl. What a great accomplishment that was. What a testament to just being persistent and not giving up. And of course, Andy Reid's had some tough lumps along the way. He experienced that unspeakable grief of losing a child when his son died of a drug overdose in 2012, and yet he persisted through that. I just love the story of Andy's persistence. You've probably heard the old saw. Some say it was Thomas Edison who said this, that genius is 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. And I don't know if Thomas Edison actually coined that phrase or not. He very likely could have. I mean, remember, he was the one who attempted 600 or 6,000, excuse me, different substances uh, to create a filament for an electric light bulb. 6,000 different substances he tried and finally found that carbonized cotton thread made a great filament for a light bulb. He persisted. He continued to work and to try. As we talk about prayer this week, I want us to keep in mind the image of persistence because in many ways, God calls us to persist in our prayers just as God persists in his relationship with you and me and in his pursuit of you and me. God does not give up. I love the story of C.S. Lewis. He was born in 1898 in Belfast, Ireland. And C.S. Lewis was a confirmed atheist. He grew up in a house that was very scholarly and academic-minded. He was a great writer and a great reader, and he was an atheist. And then finally at age maybe 28, he started to realize there probably is some kind of God up there, but this whole Christianity thing makes no sense to me. But God didn't give up on C.S. Lewis. God surrounded him with some friends who were followers of Christ, and C.S. Lewis admired and respected them. God also provided authors that he looked up to and respected who also were followers of Christ. And eventually, when he was in his early 30s, C.S. Lewis gave his life over to God. God worked in his life to the point where C.S. Lewis was called to faith in Christ. God never gave up. God continued to persist in his pursuit of C.S. Lewis. And at the end of the 20th century, he was voted by one magazine, Christian History Magazine, as the most influential Christian of the 20th century. 
So God persists in his pursuit of you and me and calls us to persist in our pursuit of a relationship with him. Now this week we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau. That's a story that if you know the Old Testament, you probably know if it's new to you. Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac, one of the early patriarchs of the Hebrew faith. Uh, Esau was the elder son, even though they were twins, he was the firstborn, and Jacob was the secondborn, and that meant that Esau got a double portion of the family inheritance. So he got two-thirds, and Jacob only got one-third. Well, Jacob never was comfortable with this arrangement, and so he and his mother devised a scheme to remove the blessing of the firstborn from Esau and have it rest with Jacob. You see, Esau and his dad Isaac were really tight. Jacob and his mother, they were also really tight. And so Esau was kind of a big hunter and a farmer. Jacob preferred to be in the kitchen as a cook and be inside with his mom. And so one day Esau was out in the fields and he was famished. He got home and he wanted something to eat. There was nothing in the house to eat. And he said to his brother Jacob, listen, if you'll give me something to eat, you can have the birthright because I'm telling you, I'm going to starve. And so Jacob, of course, kind of was scheming and doing this. And, and uh, he had kind of planted that seed with his brother. And so he gave him something to eat. And his brother said, you got the birthright. Well, later his brother kind of regretted that and knew that that wasn't the way it was going to work out. However, fast forward time a little bit. Esau's back out in the fields. He's working. And Jacob and his mother devised this plan to trick Isaac into bestowing the blessing on Jacob instead of the elder brother Esau. And what they did was they understood that Isaac was kind of faint in his sight and he was losing his capacity to understand and to reason. And so essentially, Jacob dressed up and posed as his brother and his feeble father couldn't tell the difference and he gave the blessing to Jacob. Well, when Esau found out about this, you can imagine he was not very happy and Jacob flew the coop. He left. He wanted nothing to do with what his brother wanted to do to him. And so you can imagine you've tricked your brother and you're kind of intimidated by your brother and you're just out of there. Well, there comes a moment after he's been exiled for years and years and years that God calls Jacob to go back and encounter his brother Esau. And Jacob doesn't want to do it, but he prays to God and God says, I want you to go see him and I promise I'll deliver you and I will be with you. And so that's what he does. And so he takes off with his family and his livestock and all of his possessions to go and meet his brother. The night before he is to meet his brother, there's this wonderful passage in Genesis 32. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Sounds kind of bizarre, but just kind of conceive or imagine this notion of wrestling with God. That's what we're, we're seeing here. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that it was wrenched. In other words, Jacob's going to limp from now on. Then the man said, well, let me go because it's almost daybreak. And Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Well, the man asked, what's your name? And he replied, Jacob. Remember, he had lied to his dad and said he was Esau. This time he told the truth. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and you have overcome. He gives him a new identity. He gives him a new name. And of course, the name Israel literally means struggled with God. The name Jacob, the old name, means conniver or liar. So we have this picture 
of Jacob wrestling with God. And I want to go with that with you in this podcast today. What does it mean to wrestle with God? And what do we learn from this story? Well, let me give you some insights to think about as you and I consider what it means to persist in our relationship with God and to struggle with God. One of the insights that we get from this text is that prayer activates God's blessing. And if you if you go back to the beginning of the story, there's a sense that God at Jacob's birth promised that he would inherit the blessing. But it wasn't until he prayed and wrestled with God that he received it. The blessing was the result of this struggle and this engagement with God, this persistence that Jacob had that night. You know, you think about blessings that we have that are not yet claimed in our lives. And a lot of us probably have all kinds of blessings that God wants to give us, promises God has made to us that we have not yet recognized because we haven't gone to God in prayer and engaged God. I was reading just recently about gift cards. Now, you know, you, know you, you and I get gift cards. I love getting gift cards, by the way. And say you get a Target gift card for $50. Well, that literally, as you look at that gift card, that's like holding a $50 bill in your hand. Do you know how many gift cards were given in the year 2018 that were not redeemed, that were unclaimed? In other words, how many $50 bills like that Target gift card that people didn't even use. They either lost it or they forgot about it. Try $5.8 billion. $5.8 billion, totally unused, totally not accessed. I saw something else, (laughs) hard to believe, but in the year 2019, guess how many days of paid time off employees left on the table? In other words, your employer gives you a certain number of days that are paid time off, Guess how many days Americans did not take? 765 million days. In other words, there's this blessing of time off to rejuvenate and refresh, and it's just left on the table. I think this story of Jacob and Esau, especially Jacob wrestling with God, reminds us that often we leave God's blessings on the table because we do not activate them by engaging God and listening to God, and being directed by God. Is there something you believe in your life right now that God has promised you that you have not yet received? We all probably can see many things that we would say yes to. So that's one of the insights. Prayer activates God's blessing because it engages God and and enables God to guide us and direct us. Another insight from the text is that God delights in persistent prayer, and God honors it. Notice that Jacob wrestled with God. I mean, look at this, uh, verses 24 and 28. Jacob wrestled with him until daybreak. In other words, he didn't give up easily. You know, and Jacob was not exactly a big swarthy guy. He wasn't a wrestler. Remember, he was the one who just preferred to be inside. He was not the outdoorsman. He was not the tough guy like his brother. He wrestled until daybreak, all night long. And then we read the man, God, some kind of human representation of God says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and you've overcome. It is a picture of persistence. I was reading in the local newspaper here in Cincinnati, it's where I live, about a man who lost his sweatshirt. 
And what did he do because he couldn't find a sweatshirt? Well, he called 911. I mean, what else are you going to do? You can't find your sweatshirt. you got to call 911. And so the police responded to his call and basically told him not to call again. Well, he did call again. I still can't find my sweatshirt. Will you help me find it? And the police started getting agitated. Finally, after the 25th call to 911, he was arrested. (laughs) That's not the picture of persistence that uh, I think we're talking about here. No, we're talking about wise persistence that that is, is aimed at God. You know, there's a story in the New Testament Jesus tells of a widow who was impoverished. And she could not get justice. And she went to the judge to get justice from him, and he ignored her. He blew her off, and he said, I don't know you, and I don't care about you. And she just kept on persisting and kept on going to his home. And finally, the judge says, hey, I don't really care about you. I don't even know you, but you're wearing me out. Therefore, I'm going to give you justice. And Jesus is essentially saying, in some ways, this is what prayer can feel like sometimes. I mean, sometimes it just feels like, God doesn't care because we don't get this immediate answer to our prayer. But the story reminds us to keep persisting, keep knocking on the door. Because remember, unlike that human judge, our judge loves us. And how do we know our judge loves us? Remember, we say it all the time. God's compassion can be seen by looking at the cross. And so what's your persistent prayer these days? And if you have something in your life that you want to take to God, is the judge hearing from you? Because that's the picture that Jesus paints. Well, let's continue on. So that's another insight. Insight number one, God uh, activates his blessing as we pray. Insight number two, God delights in and honors persistent prayer. Another insight from our story is that God blesses prayer, not human strategies. And this is a tough one because I know that we, I lead an organization. We have to have a strategy, how we're going to do things. But, but understand what's going on here. Jacob had his own strategy and it failed. Notice that in the text, Jacob, first of all, he lied to Isaac and said, I'm Esau. That was his human strategy. But notice how he answered God in our passage. He said, my name's Jacob. In other words, he told the truth. Jacob wanted the blessing, and so he and his mom, they schemed, they connived, and they hatched this huge strategy with each other. And what was the result? He was exiled. It didn't work. And yet when he prayed and wrestled with God, what was the result? God blessed him. God blessed his honesty. In some ways, it's almost like repentance. We tell the truth about who we are, and we turn toward God. And so a question for you and me to think about is, do I ever find myself trying to circumvent God, trying to do life on my own terms and in my own way? A lot of us do. We see a situation, we think, I can work that out. I was reading in the newspaper recently about these falling iguanas in South Florida. Have you read about that? These huge reptiles, you know, it's getting cold down in South Florida. They're up in a tree, they get cold, and they become stunned by the cold air and they pass out, and they fall. Some of these male iguanas, you all, five feet long and over 20 pounds. Can you imagine walking down the sidewalk and a huge reptile falls right in front of you? Or even worse, falls right on you. Well, there was a man I read about in the newspaper down in that same part of Florida who was really, really cold in his apartment, and he could not get warm. 
And so he devised a strategy on how to get warm. He just built a fire. He gathered a bunch of paper and cardboard and he built a fire in his apartment. The trouble is there was no fireplace and it was a 30 unit apartment building. Not a good idea. He had his own strategy and it didn't work out. There's a great old Jewish proverb that reads, man plans and God laughs. <laughs> and that's what God does. When you and I devise our strategies apart from him, that's what was going on with Jacob. He tried to work it out on his own and it did not work at all. So you and I say, there are only two guarantees in life, death and taxes. And I mean, those are guarantees, no doubt. But here's another guarantee for you. Things, stuff, will happen in your life that you do not expect. Things, stuff, will happen in your life that you are not prepared for. It just does. And when that happens to you and me, we have two immediate options. One, we can devise a plan of action on our own and say, I can handle it. Or two, we can take it to God. All of his life, Jacob wanted to gain or win God's blessing, and he never did until he lost to God and gave in to God. You know, all his life, he would limp on the face of the earth because God touched the socket of his hip as a reminder that the blessing came from God and not himself. What a huge insight that is for us as we think about prayer. We want to devise our own strategies and say, God, bless what I'm doing. This reminds us we go to God first and say, God, will you engage with me and teach me and show me what it is you're trying to do? You know, God blesses prayer, not necessarily our human conniving and our human strategy. And then there's one final insight. The blessing Jacob received was God himself. Verse 30 of chapter 32 of Genesis. Then Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. I saw God face to face, not uh, I finally got the family fortune. No. This whole episode is about relationships restored. Jacob was restored to both God and to Esau. And it prompts me to think about what is the blessing that I am looking for in my life? Because often we are pursuing things that we think are going to lead us to be, quote, blessed, and they really don't. No, the greatest blessing we can enjoy is just having this deep relationship with God and letting life continually flow out of that. You see, nothing can replace that relationship. Jacob thought that Esau was his problem. Jacob thought that Esau was his challenge and that God should change Esau. But who was changed in the story? Who received a new name? Who received a new identity? Well, Esau was still Esau. No, Esau wasn't Jacob's problem. Jacob was Jacob's problem. And God made him new. So sometimes we think, you know, blessing is going to look like this. If God would just give me more blank, more money, I'll be fine. Or more stuff, I'll be fine. Or more cool experiences, I'll be fine. Or more recognition, I'll be fine. God might well give you those things, but first and foremost, what God wants to give you is himself. And so I kind of return to that original question you know, what is it that you are praying for in your life? 
And are you taking that to the judge who loves you and who has died for you persistently and consistently? Because the story of Jacob, if nothing else, it reminds us that when we go to God, God honors our persistence because God at his very essence has been persistent in his pursuit of you and me. Some food for thought today. I hope that uh, you'll have some time to think on that and meditate on it and hope you have a terrific week. Bye now.